Patrick Deveni, how are you? Father Brian Larkin, I am, uh, I'm fantastic. It's great to see you. It is. I, you know, I miss you. I feel like we're just running around. I miss you always. Right now. Um, seek 2022. That Here is so strange to say 2022. I mean, you started with focus. What were you like? Seek one? I, they didn't call it seek back then. I always loved I just making, wanted to date you. Yeah, I know. I love, you don't want to date me. That's ah, valid. valid. Poor word choice. <clears throat> the, uh, I think I was technically at the set. Back in the day, we called it national conference. Hmm. So we didn't call it seek, but it was national conference. I was a focused missionary. For those of you who don't know, uh, seems like both yesterday and a lifetime ago. And, uh, Back in the day, we called it National Conference, but the first national, quote unquote, national conference was Ted Shree, Curtis Martin, Joe Wirtz, and like five other dudes <laughs> in the woods somewhere near Benedictine College. And so I love giving Curtis Martin a hard time about this. So I missed that one. I went to the second one and they said, welcome to our second national conference. I was like, national conference. There's like 40 people here. Yes. You know, so. That's crazy. I was back in, uh, I went to my first focus national conference, the precursor to seek in like 1999 or 2000, something wow. like that. Yeah. Steph was barely born. She's like six. When was she born? Around that, 1994. Wow. It's nuts. Anyways, we are Gregorian Rant. Um, we've been around. This podcast has been around for about a year. We were about involved. A year. We were involved last year with Seek. Um, we have a lot of close ties. I was not a focused missionary. The purpose of our podcast, we are coming out of Denver, Colorado, Our Lady of Lords. Um, I was confirmed Catholic about three years ago. And in my own journey, I had played football at the University of Colorado. Sco buffs. Sco buffs. Um, buffs. Lived a very secular life and then started dating my now wife, Stephanie, at the time, Giltner, um, who, who was is, a fo- who, yeah, and focus a, alumni. She's a total babe. Total babe. Yeah. And uh, she introduced me to the priest across that I'm sitting across from, Father Brian Larkin here in Denver. And I became Catholic and started working here at Our Lady of Lords. And it became a passion of mine to do a podcast with him to explain, help me explain why I'm Catholic. That's right. So for all of you uh, college students out there, we're thrilled you're at SEEK, but we want to take this opportunity to announce that Patrick and I are going to be starting a conference that's going to be way better. <laughs> and it's going to be called Knock. That's right. Knock and you will find. Knock and you will find. The door <laughs> will be open to you. That's right. So Curtis, we're coming after you. Curtis and Ted Shree. We're going to take you down. They, right. they started, you know, they called their thing seek. So if you don't know this, this is from Matthew 7, 7. So Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. There it is. So once you've moved on beyond seeking, when you're ready for the next level. Yeah. Come to the, come to knock. Our national conference of knock. <laughs> So here we are, um, and I want to start out with a shout out. Um, obviously, like I said, so my wife, Stephanie Giltner, was a focused missionary um, out at the University of Kansas, 
And um, Maggie Marr, who is now a focused missionary at the University of Colorado, and um, she is doing such a wonderful job. Um, I've gotten to know her pretty well and her, and her actually her older sister, but, um, and also Paige and Julia Gildner. They are yes. active over there with Father Peter Musset in Boulder. And uh, it is a great place yet tough place to be Catholic. Yeah. I'm glad they have Father Peter. He's a great Same. person. When I first met him, I think he was in the seminary already, but he was known as Peter Big Hair because <laughs> he had big hair. He had this, he, he had like a big, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it, but if you're at the University of Colorado at St. Thomas Aquinas, you, uh, you know what I'm talking You'll know. About. Does he yeah. still, I haven't seen him in a while. Does he still have the man bun? Peter man bun? He, you know, he oscillates, okay. which is a good word. Yeah, well, good word choice. He oscillates between different styles. Wow. Because no one can pin him down. Yeah. He's, he, he also in seminary uh, described himself as a ninja, mm. which might be a half-truth. Totally, totally. Might be. <laughs> He's a man of all trades. Um, and you know, you know, the whole crew over there pretty well at Focus. I know you're really close with Curtis. I still know a lot of people. You know, yeah. <clears throat> Focus has grown a lot. Love Focus. I, in many ways, am a Catholic still because of Focus. Uh, so grateful to all those folks. John Zimmer. Got to give him a, a shout out. Yeah. John was my Bible study leader during college and my discipler who kind of mentored me into understanding what does it mean to follow Jesus. And just to still a good friend to this day. Uh, and we had a pretty epic crew back then. This is like memory lane. So we don't want to yeah. bore you though. I don't want to bore you with all the, the people I used to know. Focus does, does great work. Um, I do want to give a shout out to the true founder of Focus, Michael Ann Martin. Ooh, there yes, it is. The real founder. Well played. The foundress. That's right. So Michael Ann is a, a good friend of mine. Love her very much. Uh, and she's, anybody who knows Michael Ann, knows that Curtis has stolen all of his material from her. Uh, and so, but well done, Curtis, because you got to steal from somebody. That's right. Might as well be your wife. No question. Give her credit when credit's due. Yeah. So today, what we want to talk about with all you guys, hope you're having a great time enjoying the Seek Conference. Uh, today, we want to talk a little bit about that passage in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, and Jesus here is really most scripture scholars they're going to say that, that Jesus here is talking about prayer. Uh, and so today we, we want to talk a little bit about that. We want to talk about how do you, how do you actually get to a place where you seek God in your life? Uh, so again, Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. The Greek words, I looked them up. Aitete is ask. Zetete is seek. And the one I didn't know, pruete, is knock. Wow. So ask, seek, and knock. And, and Jesus goes on in verse 8. He says, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Here's how I want to start. Patrick Deveni. I We need a better nickname for you. Please. I got to think about I'm that. waiting. Yeah. Please write in and give us nicknames for Patrick. That's right. But anyway, I'm just going to start off and I'm just going to say, it doesn't seem like that's true. You know what's funny? Right when you were reading that, so uh, for those of you who are just getting to know us through this podcast and haven't really listened, I am still 
uh, trying to dive into my faith. I know zero Greek. I know zero Latin. I know... You know a little bit of Latin. So, I mean, through you, like I don't... You know it from the mass. That's true. Um, but as a whole, it's, it's definitely um, my role in this podcast is, and it's a, it really is me learning through this journey. Um, but when, I, when you were reading that, the thought that went through my mind was, man, it sounds so easy. Yeah, it's like, just like, hey, if you know, if you ask, God's going to get to you. That's right, right. And and my life is not, and even in the last couple of years, I'm really trying to dive into my faith. It's been, you know, there are challenges, there are ups and downs, and I feel like I knock, I'm knocking all the time, right? Yeah, and I'm still trying to find the answer. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, I think it's a good place just to start. Is that so many people come to me and they say, "Hey, FB." Why isn't God like, I'm not asking for a new, uh, I don't know. What are the, what are the kids into these days? A new, well, I mean, a new car, a, yeah. you know, uh, an A on the test. I don't know. Pass the exam. You and I are getting old. I know. There's probably cooler things out there, but anyway, you know, you might think, God, I'm not asking for something that's inappropriate. Sometimes it's like, Hey God, I just want to hear your voice. What am I supposed to do with my life? Right. Uh, where do you want me to go? Which direction? And I'm asking and I'm seeking and it seems like, kind of seems like you're not really answering. Yeah. I'm not hearing much. It's like in my head, like for me, especially when I have really tried to ask. And then as I read scripture, I'm like, every bush I look at, is it burning? Like, how do I, where's God? Why is he not speaking to me right now and showing up in my life um, immediately upon the ask? Yeah. And so, so I think that's, you know, I think if all of us are honest, myself included, that that would be my first question for this text is, and for Jesus, like, Lord, if, if you're telling me that if I just ask, seek and knock, then I'm going to receive, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like, yeah, you know, and, and again, it could be for, for really great things as a Christian things we're supposed to ask for. So I think there's a couple of caveats here. So, uh, the first thing I think maybe I want to start with today is Jesus wants us to be poor. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of people in the culture today, and actually I kind of talked about this at mass this morning, a lot of people, we just think we know everything. Yeah. And so we're not, we're not really out there seeking and not just that we know everything. Maybe we would never say that. Or just kind of, life is fine. Life's good. And, and if you have everything, right? If you are kind of like me and you have washboard abs and you've got, you know, great hair. Yeah. Uh, whatever. And your life, is, your life is going pretty good. I think one of the things that happens is that uh, we, uh, we have everything. So we don't need, we don't need God in our life. And I think, I think the first thing that maybe this passage wants to call us to is it, it's not just supposed to be a very specific sense of, okay, God, my computer broke. I don't have a lot of money. Oh Lord, if you love me, yes. will you get me the new MacBook Air or whatever the latest model is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and so I think, I think the first thing to notice about this passage and really about the Christian life is it God? You can't be a Christian if you don't need God. Right. 
And in that sense, I mean, I, I feel like if you start to get um, complacent with where you're at and, and complacent from the standpoint of you feel like you've got it figured out, you're on the success train, all that kind of stuff, you start to fall into more worldly things. Yeah. And as that starts to happen, you do start to deviate more often from seeking the Christian life. Yeah. And I do. And so I think this is a good place for us to start today is I want to talk about what do you want out of life? What do you want out of life? And I think, you know, the tacit thing that a lot of us, we never really say this, but I, but I think a lot of us have this kind of bargain with God. And we say, okay, God, I'm going to stop sleeping with my girlfriend. I'm going to stop doing cocaine. Yeah. Uh, and I need a third one. What's the third one I could stop doing? Uh, stop hazing the freshman. I'm going to stop. Rush. Yes. There you go. I'm going to stop hazing the freshman. Oh, and I got one too. And God, I'm even going to go to church. I will show up on Sundays. I'll go to church on Sunday. Might be a little late, but I'll go to church on Sunday. I'll make it. Yeah. And I think, and then we, we kind of enter into this bargain with God and we say, okay, God, this is my side. So if I do this, you have to give me happiness, yes. comfort. You, you have to make sure that everything works out in my life, right? And I think this is at the heart of what Jesus is getting at in this passage is that he wants to actually break us of that because this passage is not about just asking for the normal things that most human beings want. And we'll, we'll come back to this today. I want to talk a little bit about St. Augustine and some of his theology, especially in the, his book, the city of God, but it, it touches on tons of things that St. Augustine uh, or lots of his writings. It's a major theme throughout his writing, but to start with, I want to talk about the cursing of the fig tree. Do you know about this? No, please tell. So <clears throat> quick story as well. Scott Powell, shout out to Scott Powell. Good friend of mine. Scott Powell and I were missionaries together in focus. We were on the same team. And when I'm so old that, you know, at the rosary, St. John Paul II, he proposed new myst a new set of mysteries for the rosary. And those came out in like 2002, 2003. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, so previous, there were only um, the uh, joyful mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, and the glorious mysteries. And John Paul II, in, you know, right about 2002, he came out and said he proposed the luminous mysteries. Whoa. I did yeah. not know this. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And b basically, because if you're praying the rosary, and you're doing the, the different mysteries, the first set of the mysteries, Patrick prays the rosary with the, the nuns. That's right. The, uh, uh, oh, I need to look it up. Hold on. I forget what order they are, but I, I think for me, especially as I started to become Catholic, I, no one's ever taught me how to do that. It's a complicated, it's not easy right. to learn. I didn't know how to pray. Actually, the first time I really learned how to pray the rosary was on the way to a national conference. Really? Oh yeah, we were in the 15 passenger van. And everybody started like praying the rosary. And so I just kind of like faked it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and you know, the Hail Mary and the Our Father, but That's I didn't right. know the rest of the prayers. So uh, the Dominican it? Sisters of Mary. And it's on an app or what? It's, I use it on Spotify. And um, first of all, I mean, it, it's absolutely beautiful. Like they sound amazing. Right. Um, and it really Why allows- nuns always sound that way? But anyway. I know. I know. 
there's even like one point in one of them where like you hear it sounds like maybe uh like her rosary or something kind of drops on the bench that they're like film like recording in it just makes it so personal do you think that was intentional or no it's definitely like somewhere in the middle like once you start to really hear it over and over again i picked up on it and for some reason it it really brings me to place of just allowing myself to not otherwise i'm trying to find my book i'm trying to understand trying to like go through it and just to have that guidance um it was kind of like with the holy hour having help understand and understanding and having a guide through that yep because especially as you dive in it's a hard it's a big learning curve to become catholic and so using you know i love it i'll get it on spotify put it on in the car if i'm stressed out or use it actually in like a, a time for the rosary and quiet prayer um it helps so much yeah but i didn't know that that happened in 2002 yeah. So, so John Paul II, so what he did is, so he added the luminous mysteries. And if you, so when you're praying the rosary, so if you pray the um, joyful mysteries, they're all about around Jesus's birth and early childhood. So the first joyful mystery is the Annunciation, where the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, you know, and asks her to be the mother of God. And then the last one, the fifth joyful mystery is the finding of the child Jesus in the temple, which happens when he's 12 years old. So you go from when Jesus is 12 and then the next set of mysteries is the sorrowful mysteries, which the first sorrowful oh. mystery is the agony in the garden. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, whoa, we just skipped like a whole bunch of things. Right? <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. And, and so what, um, what John Paul II said is, hey, let's pr-, he proposed a new set called the Luminous. And these are some of the, the really... Uh, powerful moments and luminous moments in Jesus's ministry when he gets out there and is preaching about the kingdom of God. But anyway, so the joke about this, the whole reason I brought this up. So when I was a focused missionary, we're in Montana. I was at Carroll college, a little Catholic college in Helena, Montana with Scott Powell, Sarah Wakirka and Christy Wright. That was the four of us, but the mysteries came out and we couldn't remember all the luminous mysteries they were brand new. So we, we couldn't remember them. And so the four of us were in the chapel one day praying and we had like a laugh attack. Yes. And so we're all just like laughing and laughing and laughing. And the girls were laughing so hard they couldn't pray anymore. So they got up and left and they went outside and they, they tried to get their composure back together. So Sarah and Christy, they come back in and I will give Scott kudos here. Scott just to like crush it right when they walked in him and I are kneeling there praying the rosary and Scott goes the fourth luminous mystery, the cursing of the fig tree. (laughs) 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 Which was, It was like perfect timing. We just died. Well played. It was so funny. And then we didn't finish the rosary because God hates fun. (laughs) I think that's important as, as we have, I think it's, you know, we don't, how do I say this? as people are starting to dive into seek and they may be invited to this and starting to look into it. Um, I think it's good to hear you, especially now as a priest, like it's okay to have those moments. You have your laugh attack. You have all that kind of stuff. Oh, like, totally. um, it, there's a lot of pressure. I mean, I, the first time I went to adoration and it was like, I felt like if I breathed a certain way, someone would get mad at me. Right. Um, but again, if, if you are new to the faith and you're just trying to check it out and there's, um, 
hesitation about like, well, I don't want to attend this because there's confession or there's adoration. I'm not, re- I don't even know what confession is, any of that kind of stuff. I think it's good to hear you say that though, of like, it happens. It's life. Like it's not, oh, and you're there supposed, is no sin you're in that. You're supposed to be human. That's right. You're supposed That's to, right. and, and actually your face should make you more human. So those, those, those moments are, Christians should not be uptight, fearful people. They yep. should be the most joyful. They're, they're the people who know that God loves them and that love has changed their life, but they should be the most joyful, fun people to be around. No question. I'm working on that. Uh, well, me too. And that's so, what I was going to say too, with um, when, when we're looking at, in this concept of seek and you shall find, like in my own life now, it's easy as I, as I was reflecting on like my rosary thing and that kind of stuff and trying to learn all this stuff, but it's easy. I, I work for the church and I yep. do go to mass on Sundays and it's easy to kind of feel like, well, what else do I need to do? You know? But again, if you ask me to list off the luminous mysteries or even any of the mysteries, like without, right. without my guided rosary, I still don't know it. Yeah. And that's, that's just part of my journey right now. And that's okay. But it, I can't get complacent and just write it off as, I work for the church. You know, I do a podcast with FB. I'm good. Like I've checked my right. Catholic um, day-to-day task enough mm-hmm. that, I, that I'm good on that. So it's really interesting to hear Matthew 7 in that aspect of like, when I first, when you first read it, and then when I first heard this passage, it is that thought of like, that, it sounds so easy. Yeah. But it's, it's not. It's a continual journey. And the further you get in your faith, the more you need to seek. That's right. And I want to come back to that, but really quick. So the whole reason I brought up the fig tree. So um, what happens is uh, Jesus here, I'm looking at Matthew's version where he curses the fig tree. Um, and so uh, this is Matthew 21, 18. In the morning, he was returning to the city. He was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but leaves only. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, how did the fig tree wither at once? Now, really quick, Mark, it's going to make this more clear and we'll get to this. Maybe we'll come back to it in a second. So Jesus, let's keep going here. So verse 21, Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and never doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So here's the deal. That's a similar passage to Matthew 7, 7. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But here's the cool thing. So Jesus here curses the fig tree. It's kind of a cool moment, but here's the, here's the first point I want to make today. Jesus is not leading us just to kind of, Hey, I prayed for an AMI test or I prayed for a new car or I prayed for this girl who's way out of my league to go out with me. Yep. Um, that's not what Jesus is talking about. What happens here. So in Mark's version of this, of the fig tree, Mark places it in, he places the temple, the cleansing of the temple in between the two scenes of the fig tree. So in Mark's version, Jesus curses the fig tree. Then he cleanses the temple. And then they come back to the fig tree. And the fig tree then is withered and the apostles marvel. 
And this is going to help us understand the way that Jesus says this here in Matthew 21. But in Mark's version, what's happening is Jesus wants us to understand what he did in the temple by what he did to the fig tree. Whoa. Okay. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So, so they shed light on each other. What happened to the fig tree is it's the phrase I'd use is that the temple and the fig tree are mutually illuminative. So they shed light on each other. And so what happens is that fig tree is not bearing fruit and neither is the temple. So how does this relate to Matthew 7, 7? Here's how it relates. So Jesus says, Hey, you know, there's a great hill song. Uh, it always sounds weird saying hill song song. Yeah. There's a great song by the artist Hillsong. Well, yes, nicely done. And they, I forget which one it is, but they, uh, it's, but it says this mountain that's in front of me will be cast into the sea. Ooh, I don't know what that one is. Yeah. I think it's the one that Steph likes so much, but look, that's from this verse, right? So in Matthew 21, 21, uh, even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will be done. But here's what people don't get when they get this. It's because we don't know scripture as well as we should. And we're going to come back to like seeking. How do we seek after God? How do we have hearts that are not just kind of apathetic, but Lord, I want to seek you. We have to know scripture. Right. So when Jesus says, he doesn't say any mountain. He says this mountain. What mountain is this mountain? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. So, uh, so you'll, you, you might know this. So Jesus is in Jerusalem and kind of another name for Jerusalem is Mount Zion. And, and really Jews, but what Jesus is talking about here is the temple Mount. And so Jesus is coming, right? He's coming into Jerusalem. In fact, uh, he's going to tell right here, um, Jesus has entered in verse in chapter 21 at the very start he just entered Jerusalem. And what they've done, they've come from Jericho and they've gone up the mountain to Jerusalem. And in the Bible, this is a really cool thing. In the Bible, the pagan nations, one of the words for the pagans, the pagans are like the ocean, like the sea. And for the Jews, the sea is a place of chaos. And that goes all the way back to Genesis 1 when God creates the world. The waters are this place of chaos and God brings order and he brings life to the world and a place of order and stability as Genesis chapter one builds is the dry land. Crazy. Okay. And so, so in a lot of places in the Bible, for instance, in Daniel chapter uh, two, there's, there's this image of these monsters that come up out of the sea. And as Daniel interprets this, the that's an image of the Gentile kingdoms, the non-Jewish kingdoms. So when, when Jesus says, even if you pray that this mountain would be cast into the sea, that's a weird thing for him to say. Cause actually what Jesus is saying, if you have Jewish ears, is he's saying, if you prayed for the, for the Jerusalem and the temple to be destroyed by the nations, it will be done. <laughs> that's what that's about. Whoa. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And guess what? In the year 70 AD, that happened. The pagan nations, so Rome, the Roman Empire in the year 70 AD, 
and really starts in the year 66. In the year 66 AD, the Jewish-Roman War starts, and it's going to end in the year 70 by the Romans coming into Jerusalem, and they burn the city to the ground, including the temple. And there's so much here. I'm on a tangent today. If you don't know me, I'm, this is what I do. But we actually have, uh, there's a contemporary of that time. Of course, he's a contemporary of that time. But one of the figures of that time is a, a Jewish general and priest named Josephus. And he catalogs and writes a history of everything that happened. And when he talks about Jerusalem being destroyed, he says who really destroyed Jerusalem was not the Romans, but it was God. And he says the Romans were actually uh, amazed and kind of some of the soldiers even like break down into tears because they realize it's not really, there's like fire from heaven. It's not really them who are destroying the temple. It's God who is. What? Yeah. I know we've never talked about this this before. Like this is what's so uh, interesting even in my own, like how are you supposed to know this? Like you read it, I'm thinking of like, you know, knocking on some door, seeking that type of thing. It, it, I mean, it goes to the whole point of seeking you yeah. shall find, but it, you have had years of experience in this, um, but it blows my mind every time you talk about scripture and you continue to learn about it. It's yep. so fascinating. Yeah. And this is, and so this is what I want to get to. So the, I think the point with that, right, is that Jesus isn't giving this general, hey, Dear God, if you love me, yeah, you'll do this for me. Move that's not Christian. That's the opposite of faith. <laughs> faith is not manipulating God to get what you want. And I talk to people all the time about this. Faith is not about us just asking God, hey, God, I need this, this, or this. That's not faith. Faith actually means I surrender to God. And I counsel people all the time. So I actually think this, this passage from Matthew 7, seeking you will find, you know, ask and will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. What is God asking us to do there is he actually wants us to desire him. Continually. Exactly. We're supposed to be pilgrims. To be a Christian is some, to be someone who's on pilgrimage. And for all you college kids out there, I just want to give a little bit of a testimony to you that the world tells you that what's going to make you happy is if you have more stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's not true. You're like, yeah, I know. I'm not just supposed to want material things. Um, but it's more than that. Uh, God is, you know, when I was, before I became a priest and still as a priest, I oftentimes think I just want comfort. Totally. I just want life to be a little easier. But before I was going to be a priest, I just thought, Lord, I don't, I don't need to be rich. I don't need to have all, everything figured out. But if you could just give me a beautiful wife, uh, who's charming and fun and intelligent and an average income and just kind of a nice life. Peaceful. I don't need to be famous. Yeah. I don't need to be rich. Um, I don't need to have the fountain of youth, but if I could just have that, I'd be happy. And here's the thing. To be a Christian doesn't mean to get what you want. To be a Christian means to lose what you thought you wanted and to seek after something that's much greater. And in my own life, like, so Patrick, Patrick would give me a hard time, but you know, uh, what happened in my life and I think what's happened in your life too, is that all the things I always thought I wanted 
something, there was a love in my life that became greater. And that was the love of Jesus. And it wasn't first my love for him. It was his love for me. And what happened was I started to desire different things. What do you think about that? Gosh. So when you say that, I think the the big question I have just for myself and using the sea analogy and like, you know, it feels like the waves are hitting you over and over again. And you've, you've knocked, you've kind of made your entrance into this, yeah. you know, for anyone showing up to seek right now and they're like, okay, I'm here. Like, what is, and, and it feels like a big step. And then all of a sudden you get back to campus and things happen. Life happens. And yep. continually in my life, things have happened. So is that a moment as, um, as much as I want to control it and it doesn't work out the way I thought it would, uh, wanted it to. That what Jesus is saying is that's your time to dive in even harder into scripture, into the teachings of Jesus. Like, how do you kind of make that practical, right? Like you continually keep getting just pummeled by life. Yep. And it gets, you have two options. It becomes really hard. You're like, I have faith. Why does this keep happening? But maybe it's a reflection of what you think you're doing versus what you're actually doing and life is occurring around you. So is that an opportunity in where you should really throw in even double down on your faith journey? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, so St. Augustine, so one of his sermons, I wish I knew the number off the top of my head because his sermons have been numbered and cataloged by scholars. So I don't know the number off the top of my head, but Augustine has a great line in a sermon. You've heard me say it before. But Augustine says, okay, what it means to be a Christian, and, and this is, I love this. I actually do love the title, seek. To be a Christian means to be a pilgrim. It means that, it means that you're, you're on a pilgrimage, right? And if you haven't gone on a pilgrimage, go to do the pilgrimage of Santiago in Spain. It's amazing. But this is what it means to be a, a Christian, is that you and I are going somewhere. We're seeking after something. So Augustine says in one of his sermons, he says, you know what? Everyone has faith, hope, and love. Every human being you ever meet. And the way he phrases this is he says, everyone believes something. Everyone hopes for something. And everyone loves someone or something. But he says the difference about Christians is uh, who it is we believe in. Uh, what it is that we hope for and who it is that we love. And so Augustine beautifully says, he says, you know, everyone has faith, hope, and love, but show me what it is you believe, what it is you hope for and who it is you love. And I will tell you how Christian your heart really is. Mm. And, and so my whole life, I thought I, you know, just probably like a lot of you, you college students out there, I was in the business school. I was getting an accounting degree. Oh, gross. I would, Patrick can tell you, I, would I have been a good accountant? There's no way. There's right. no way. I would have been the absolute worst. But I didn't really want to be an accountant. I just wanted to be able to make money good enough, you know, in a, in a, I wanted to make a salary that was great enough to support a family. And I was like, totally. I don't know what I want to do in life. I just go get a business degree or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but what happened in my life was the things that I wanted in life changed. And I think that's what it means to be a Christian. So let me ask you as a, as a priest now, 
and and coming from your accounting degree, um, like using that as the reference point, what do you want hope and love um, in your own life? As a priest now, being yeah. ordained for 11 years, um, how, how does that look for you? Yeah, I mean, hope, I mean, of course, the, the ultimate answer is God. Okay. Right? That's the ultimate answer. But, but things that you used to think, you know, that, that didn't have value. So for instance, what I just talked about with the, uh, the cursing of the fig tree, when I was a sophomore in college, I met some of these guys who started Focus. I met Curtis Martin, John Zimmer. I met Tim Gray and Ted Tree. And a lot of those, those early kind of founders of Focus. And there was a, the truth, right, that was there. And there was a wisdom that I said, you know what? That's better than a nice house. Better than a nice house. And so that's still the case for me. So as you age, I'm now at the ripe old age. I'm a prune of 41. You know, I still, still, I still want a lot of the things I wanted when I was a college kid. I want a comfortable life. I like having a bourbon at the end of the day. Uh, I didn't drink bourbon in college, so don't do that, kids. I still don't, but yeah. Don't do drugs either. Bound <laughs> <laughs> upon for sure. But um, there's a, it reminds me of a song. There's a song I like. Some of you think that Christian music's really tacky and a lot of it is, but some of it's good. There's a guy out there named Pat Barrett who has a song just called Better. And he, he just kind of, in his song, it's a good song. He walks through things that all of us want. And so, um, he talks about beauty and he says, and he's talking about an earthly kind of beauty. He says the prettiest face to turn their eyes, um, beauty that could hypnotize the open doors that looks may bring. And then speaking to God, he says, you are better than all these things. And he goes through wealth and power all of us want those things. So do I, you know, but, but I think the gospel, and this is what St. Augustine's getting at. It's when you realize that there's actually something better. It's not that those things are bad. You know, I'm beautiful. I mean, I can't help it, but, but there's something better. And in so many ways, right. To be a Christian is to learn to seek after things that are greater. It's to learn to, to hunger and thirst for, for things that the, you know, the world will tell you, you're going to be happy. Just, Hey, you know what? Marry that really pretty girl mm-hmm. and make a lot of money and have the vacation home in where's a cool place in California. I was thinking Hawaii right there. Or Hawaii. Yeah. Let's do Maui. And then you'll be happy. And you know, right. none of those things are bad. Patrick and I talk regularly. We might someday start a parish in Hawaii. That would be so cool. I might be go free agent style <laughs> and him and I'll go. We, we have some staff here in Colorado that would go with us. We need an Our Lady of Lords retreat center in Maui. Exactly. And if you want to help us with that project. That's right. Please yeah. email me and our fundraising <laughs> campaign. <laughs> but at the end of the day, God wants to point us to things that are deeper. And I feel like, so as you're saying that, I, that is where it becomes the power of your community, right? Because as the world starts to tell you over and over and over again, especially on a college campus, um, 
and especially as you start to enter quote unquote real life, yeah, you know, your work and you're trying to move up the corporate ladder or whatever you're trying to do. Um, and as those trials start to come into your life, you need people in your corner very much why I love the concept of focus and seek and having missionaries on campus yeah. to help with Bible studies, to help you on a weekly basis. Again, Maggie's doing such a great job of looping in so many great Bible studies up at CU. And that's a tough place to do it because it is so worldly. And um, yeah, there's a lot of temptations, a lot of temptations. And it's very easy. And I think even for myself, I think I always, you know, no pun intended, but seeked more in my life in college. Mm. Um, but I was so caught up in football and wanting fame and, it's all about me. Um, but I, in the back of my mind, I was like, well, someday I'll get to it. Someday I will dive into my faith. Someday, you know, I've got time. It will, yeah. not now. Now is not a really convenient time for me. I'd rather go to this party. Um, but if I would have had more mentorship in that process and, and, it, and actually seeked it, um, but as things started to pop up, really having that community that can be louder than the outside voices. Yeah, absolutely. That the community aspect is essential. And, and along with that, and I, the community you live in helps form your desires. And I will say that. That's so Augustine, right. back to his sermon, you know, what, what you love says a lot about who you are. Where's your heart? You know, so in Matthew 6, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if you, if you went to this, you know, seek, maybe you got drugged there today by your friend, your roommate, or, you know, somebody at, at the local Newman Center. Um, what you love says a lot about who you are. And guess what? You were made to love great things. You were not made to love yourself and comfort and just easy things. None of those, again, are necessarily evil, but you were made for something better and you know it. You were made to, to be great and not just to be comfortable. God didn't make you to be comfortable. God made you to live a heroic life. And that's inspiring, right? And gosh, even talking about it right now, I'm like, man, I want to love things that matter. And I want to pursue things that matter. I want to pursue wisdom. I want to pursue God. I want to pursue truth and goodness. And I want to have the courage to fight for things that matter. Um, and so one of the things I encounter as a priest, so. Lots of you out there, and, and Patrick too, this is kind of why we started this podcast. People have great questions, right? Thank you. You have great questions. <laughs> you've, got, you've got great fashion sense too. That's right. Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. People have great questions about the faith. And, and you know what? I love it when they do. And they can have hard questions. We had one at RCIA this year where someone asked a really hard question and I had to go look it up because I didn't know the answer off the top of my head. But the, the people that are hardest for me to talk to God about are not people who have hard questions. It's never that. It's never, maybe you're from a, a scientific mindset and an empiricist mindset. You're getting your undergrad, you know, in, in physics, and you have lots of questions about religion and science. That's awesome. Those are great questions. Maybe you're someone who comes from a um, little bit of a skeptical attitude about, isn't it kind of arrogant to say that Catholicism is true. Like, how am I supposed to tell the Buddhist he's wrong? That's a great question. Totally. I love talking to people about those questions. 
The hard people are not those people. The hard people are the people who just don't give up. Yep. And the, the word for that is apathy, which is a Greek word, of course. So pathos is like passion. And the A in front of pathos, apathy, the A negates it. Wow. Okay. So a person who's apathetic, they just don't care. And honestly, those, are, those people are just lifeless. Totally. They're just, they're, it's like, and not, not to be too harsh on them, but they're just kind of, they're kind of like, uh, they're zoned out. It's like, yep. it's like when you've had too much Taco Bell at one in the morning, <laughs> you know, and which has happened. There's no energy. There's no drive to them. And so Jesus, I think, you know, ask, seek, knock. It's Jesus there is not talking about, hey, Lord, I uh, got a tough meeting today. Would you just make it go smoothly? Which that's not a bad thing to pray for. I pray for those things. The bigger thing though is, are you seeking something that actually is bigger than yourself? Or is your life just about you? If your life is just about you, you're going to have a boring life. Yeah. And empty, like boring and depressing. Yeah. Because it's never going to be good enough. That was my experience. Once you start to get in the mindset of, I just need, I just need a new car. Well, then that car turns into, I just need a Tesla. Yeah. Then I just need two Tesla. Yep. Then I just need three Tesla. And you're always, it's never going to be good enough. Yep. And you start to get wrapped up in that and it becomes very, very depressing. And, and it's interesting looking back when I was in college, as I say, like, I wish I had that community, all that kind of stuff. I don't. I wouldn't say I was apathetic, but I definitely just, um, I don't know what it would have taken at that time to get me on fire for my faith. Yeah. I was in a phase of life that I just, life that I just wasn't there yet. But as I started to get knocked down over and over again, chasing those things, I eventually, and I've said this many of times, I've eventually, I eventually came crawling to faith. I finally realized like, dude, I am tired and exhausted of getting knocked down, chasing things that just disappear Mm -hmm. and not having any genuine purpose in my life. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, I don't know what it would have taken back then, but now realizing I needed all that to get me where I am. So it was, it was a part of that, um, journey in the beginning, which I think is a great question, especially if you are a focused missionary or you're in a Bible study and you're at, you know, uh, in your Bible study with a missionary or just with your crew and you're trying to invite somebody Mm -hmm. and they're just not there yet. Yep. It doesn't mean it's like, okay, well, they're, they're dead to me. They're out. They're just not ready. Who knows what it's going to take? Only God knows that. And you can pray for that and their, and their journey. But it, uh, sometimes it's okay. I mean, I guess that's more of a question for you, I guess too, is also like, it's okay to just be okay. They're not, I'm not going to beat my head against the wall and, and ultimately only really push them away more than I am helping. But in due time, they'll come to it. Yeah. And I think, I love what you said about your life because I think part of this is that God, why is my life hard? And maybe part of the answer to that, and it's not the whole answer, but maybe part of that is that you, a lot of us just think we're just fine. And we think a way, a different way to say that would be to say, I just think I'm rich. 
But actually, you're poor. Every one of us is poor. I don't care if you're Jeff Bezos's kid. In terms of what it actually means to live a fulfilling life, you're poor and you need God. And sometimes those hard experiences in our life, they lead us to seek and to knock, which is going to be an awesome conference. But no, they, but they lead us to that because maybe, some, maybe one of these days, and we all know these stories, you know, you wake up one day and you're, you're from a wealthy family. And Patrick has some great stories about, he was running around with some famous people and living the high life. And you wake up one day and you're just depressed because it doesn't fulfill. That's right. And it doesn't, and it's not going to fill your heart. It's not going to lead you to a life that is meaningful and a life that finds joy. And what, what the church wants us to do is she wants us to know that we're poor because then we actually can find happiness because the only thing that can really make us happy is God. Yeah. Again, that, yeah. And that's where when you first take it for what it literally says in Matthew 7. Yep. I, I you know, um, I just want to yell, y'all lie. Not true. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> right. Doesn't happen that way. Um, but again, it's a great time for me to look at my own life of, and say like, have I become complacent? Is there more that I can be seeking? Yep. And, and I think that answer, if that answer ever reaches a no, you're on a wrong path. Yeah. I mean, you of all people, it's, it's pretty wild for anyone that uh, this is the first time listening to Gregorian rant. I was pretty adamant about getting cameras in here because FB scripture knowledge, Father Brian scripture knowledge is m- like 99% of the time he can recite the verse. Um, Without, it's way better than Curtis Martin. Without without looking. So I wanted on camera to prove it. But um, you of all people, it's like when I find you most excited, you're talking about a new book you're about to get. Yeah. And um, you dive into that. That is your happy place. And it's really, it's, I mean, it's really motivating. Yep. Um, but it is that continual journey of diving in. Yeah. There is so much more to know. The, the world tells us you're going to be happiest when you have everything. God teaches us you're going to be happy when you're hungry and thirsty for the right thing. Yeah. Right? Like if you, you know, think of like a football team, right? If the, if the Broncos, if they grow complacent, they've won like six championships and they're just complacent, they're going to lose. Totally. But what's exciting, like even in the sports world, what's exciting is it's exciting to be on a team that's hungry. Yeah. It has energy and they're like, we are hungry to get after this. Yes. And the Christian life is something like that. And so St. Augustine, I want to leave you guys all with one last thing from him. But in his book, The City of God, which is really one of the most important books in all of history. So Augustine writes The City of God as the Roman Empire is collapsing. And what happened, the context was the pagans are saying, hey, civilization's kind of collapsing. A lot of people think that's a little bit like our own time but they blame the Christians and they're saying, you know what? Everything was great when we were pagans. Yeah. Everything was fine. And so Augustine kind of writes to refute that. And he writes an amazing book, but uh, one of the key moments in that work is that I think it's in book 10 of the city of God, but Augustine says he, he uses an allegory and he talks about two cities and he says these two cities are, have a foundation 
And the foundation is two loves. And so he says, the city of man was founded on the love of self. And the city of God, I'm sure you can guess, is founded on the love of God. And it's super insightful. And what Augustine says is this, is he says, so much of life is a lot of the things we love in life. At the end of the day, it's about us loving ourselves and not in the healthy, like I'm not asking anybody out there to hate themselves. You're not supposed to do that. But really at the end of the day, we all know that I can be all about me and I can have a selfish love. Yep. Yeah, I love my, I love my girlfriend. Really what I love is I just love that I have a cute girlfriend who makes me feel better about myself. And everyone notices me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so at the end of the day, Augustine says there's, there's certain types of love in our life that really are about myself. That I love my Tesla. But really what I'm loving when I love my Tesla is I'm loving me. Yep. And so Augustine says, if you feed that love, and this is still valid today. Augustine lived in the fourth and fifth centuries and it's still valid today is that a lot of the things we do in life at the end of the day are about me. And what God teaches us is that that's not the path to happiness. It's not the path to salvation. And so Augustine says, if you, if you feed that love, if you feed it and feed it and feed it, that love of yourself will grow so strong that you'll do anything for that love. You'll even deny God. Yeah. But conversely, if you love God, right? If you, my conversion started with just looking at a crucifix and realizing that I was loved. But if you, but if you love God, what Augustine says is that if you feed that love and you help it to grow, you cultivate it just like a garden, you're growing something. If you grow that love of God inside of you, that love will grow so strong that you'll do anything for it, even deny yourself. And that that leads to salvation. And ultimately, I think like all of us, we can kind of get this. When you fell in love with Steph, uh, or Patrick has a new baby girl, firstborn uh, baby Gianna, love saves us. And loving something, the only thing that can keep us from, or the, the only thing that can conquer a love of self is a love for someone else. Mm. And you hear moms and dads all the time, and, and people say this all the time, is that when you fall in love and it's a love that is really the right kind of love, it saves you. It takes you outside of yourself. And that's, that's what we're called to. And the, the greatest thing that we can ever love the greatest truth, the greatest beauty, the greatest goodness that exists is what we call God. And to learn to love him, right, is to, is to learn to, to find salvation. I feel like when you, when you reference um, being a pilgrim and being on pilgrimage um, and finding that love of God, mm-hmm. it almost, it's like, the breadcrumbs, right? Like they're along, you're doing this long hike in Spain and it's brutal and it's painful. Right. And it's, it's the worst of the worst. And then you get a glimpse. Yep. And then you want, it's like enough to keep you going. Yep. And that is the point of like, in my mind now of like the seek portion is you keep going. Yep. It is not like all of a sudden you get confirmed Catholic or you go to seek and you're like, got it figured out. Yep. It is, it is a marathon, not a sprint in That's that correct. sense. 
And, and really, I think, you know, especially when I first started to become Catholic, this, what you had said there too, is you looked at the crucifix and you realized you were loved. Um, that was a learning curve for me. That also wasn't like, like, what do you mean I'm loved uh, like by this, I mean, candidly, a character in a, in a book, right? right? Like, how am I supposed to actually feel that when, you're you know, like, my mom has just died. Huckleberry Finn loves you. That's right. Winnie the yeah. Pooh is a big fan of you. Like, yeah. and to really kind of grasp that. And it's, um, I, I, I'm always pretty adamant about it, especially if you are somebody who was raised in the Catholic faith or went to a Catholic high school and you're, and you're knowledgeable on kind of the, um, the prayers or like the, the day in and day out stuff really being able to walk with somebody in a way of they don't know that and it's okay. And if you are that person, don't be afraid to ask what is confession? What is that? Like keep seeking in that process because otherwise it's very easy to be like, I'm out. It's a lot easier to look elsewhere. It's a lot easier to go chase that Tesla and, and know how to manipulate that system and, and, than it is to put your pride aside and just say like, dude, I don't know the St. Michael prayer. No one's ever, it's not that I don't care. It's not on the box of Wheaties, man. Like, I don't know where to find it. <laughs> like, then you right. do try to like, even opening up the, the, not even like anything in church. It's like, dude, what chapter is that in? Like, I don't know how to find it. Like, yeah. what app do I download? Then you go download the Bible app and there's 89,000 different Bibles. Like, it is that journey, but when you start to find those breadcrumbs, it is the most rewarding thing, and it's enough to get you through to finish that marathon. Right. And knowing that the ultimate goal, like you said, is God, is heaven, and this little time and space that we have here on earth, choose what you do wisely. Yep. Yeah, your feet are going to hurt on pilgrimage. Totally. But your heart's going to come up. That's right. If you're doing it right, and if you're allowing God to work in you, and that's no, I love the way you said that. And those, all those things, you know, I didn't, people, people will look at me and they'll say, well, how did Father Brian learn the Bible so well? And, and I've been spoiled and I don't know it nearly as well as I should. I'm still working on that. But, but I've also, but, but it wasn't like I just took a course and, oh my gosh, I know the Bible now. Bible 101. Yeah. And people think that. People ask me all the time. They'll say, you, did you learn all this in seminary? The answer is no. The answer was I was a pilgrim. Yeah. I started as a, I, I joined a Bible study in my sophomore year of college. I fell in love with God and I started walking. I, I started following the breadcrumbs, took a step. And I've been studying scripture and trying to follow Jesus, you know, for however long now in a very intentional way. And the great news is the path keeps going. And I'm so glad it does. That's right. It, because if, it, if, it, if I had everything, you know, what would I do next? but it's the faith is so rich and God is so infinitely good and infinitely true and beautiful that it's, you can never exhaust him. I've, I find that motivating, especially at the same point. I mean, truly your scripture knowledge, and then you could say that you don't know it as well as you do, or you should, um, which is objectively true. Well, whatever, um, is if somebody would have said to me in the beginning, um, you know, if you really want to understand scripture, it's, it's going to take you 20 plus years. Right. You know? And then I'm like, dude, ah, man, I've got a pretty busy calendar. I don't know if I can fit that <laughs> in. Um, but it's not about getting overwhelmed in that sense. It is, a, you know, exactly. You, when you start to fall in love with it and you wake up every day and you're just learning a little bit here and there, 
um, all of a sudden you do look up and you're like, wow, it's been 20 years. Exactly. Yeah. And just, just like anything else in life, you know, being a good husband. Yep. That it takes a long time and over the course of your life to become a person that you've become. But it's not like, you know, you were just waiting for that future day and then, okay, now I'm finally here. Or like football, you know, you, it takes years to, to, to become proficient. And I'm, I, and I, the only people I know scripture better than are Curtis Martin and Tim Green. Totally. Those are the only people I know scripture Probably better than. Me. Everybody else knows it better than me. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but it's beautiful because you, you get on the road, you get the taste for it and, and it's just a joyful life. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I say that I, um, I've been very honest about this of, and I'm nowhere near the husband or father that I want to be, but if Steph would have met me a day before we did, let alone two, three years, four years, um, before we actually met it, it never would have worked. Yeah. I was, I needed all the time I did, uh, that I took <laughs> to get to that point to finally meet her where, um, we were both ready for that. I was a knucklehead. Um, right. And so, yeah. If she were here today, she'd still say you are. So for sure. She would definitely validate that. Um, but I needed, I needed all that time to get there. Well, we're praying for your pilgrimage out there. All you college students, the, I just want to encourage you. You are not called to comfort. You're called to greatness. You're called to give your life for something that matters. You're called to seek, uh, to ask, and to knock. And I really encourage you on that. Be bold. Ask God for that today. Uh, ask God to awaken in your heart a desire to seek after him. He does not disappoint. 100%. Seek February 4th through the 7th. Um, and my last words is definitely anyone you're attending with, dive into those groups, dive in, find people, um, that you relate to that one could be a mentor or two or where you're at and start to kind of walk that journey, um, together and, and just dive into it. And if you're ever in Denver, come check out our lady of Lords, um, follow us, listen to our podcast, Gregorian rant on pretty much all the platforms. and. Uh, you know, email us if you have questions, rant at lordsdenver.org. All right. Thanks, everybody. Peace.